Amen. I mean, is that not incredible? Is that not amazing? Gosh, that is so good. And I just want to encourage you. I know all of those people from our Blunt camps, I'll tell you, Blunt, Mike Allison, I think you look more handsome as a cartoon character. That's just my opinion, okay? But if, if any of those people were up here right now, they would tell you that they're just normal people that prioritize God's kingdom when they're looking across the table, looking across a, a coffee, looking across just a conversation with somebody, and they are prioritizing that person's eternity over their comfort, over whatever other cause may be up, or, or whatever commitment they might have. And so I am so fired up this week. One more time, can we just celebrate all those people getting saved? That's amazing. I hope you are fired up to be at church this weekend. I'm so excited about what God is doing and what God is going to do in your life during the service at His church, Faith Promise. I want to take a minute and just let you know what you're a part of. Uh, being a part of Faith Promise, uh, because of your generosity and all you do, you are impacting the kingdom around the world. Uh, last week, uh, last week uh, Dad and I got to go train over 100 churches in the UK on being missional, on sharing their faith, on impacting uh, the world around them, and it was absolutely unbelievable. It was amazing to watch these churches be desperate for their nation and plan on how they're going to launch and plant churches. There were churches that would be 500 people or less that had already planted five churches, and they were looking at planting eight more just because they were desperate to see their whole nation experience the gospel everywhere. So I want to encourage you, if you made a generosity commitment two weeks ago to hold fast, to stay committed, because listen, you are impacting the world for God's kingdom in your city, in the next city, and around the world. We are seeing God's kingdom come and His will be done on earth as it is in heaven, and I believe that He is calling us to more. Now, we're going to need a move of God today, right? We are going to need a supernatural wind in our sails. We are going to need a push from God. Now, I don't know about you. I've got, I've got three little kids, and sometimes I know they want to do something, but they don't know it yet. A good example, like, um, like maybe like when we're going to go down a slide or maybe jump off the dock in the water. And they, they, I know like in here they want to, but up here they don't know. You know what I'm saying? So I'm a good, loving dad. And I just say, hey, let's just walk to the edge. Nothing bad's going to happen. Let's just walk to the edge. Just look. Look, it's just right there. Look. Right? Because I'm a good dad. And I love my children. And what I've prayed is our good, good father this weekend would say, hey, it's okay. Just look. Just, ah. I'm praying. It happens to you. So, hey, we're going to pray. And at all of our campuses, online, wherever you're participating, we're going to pray just in, a, in us showing the Lord that we are willing for something different to happen today, as we pray at all of our camps, will you just stand with me as we pray? All of our camps, just go ahead and stand online, wherever you're watching. Let's just stand together and pray. God, we come before you right now and we stand as a symbol that we want something different. We stand as a symbol saying, choose me. We stand saying, Lord, how we don't want to be prideful to come into your presence and hear your word, to worship your name, to come into an intersection with your Holy Spirit and not leave transformed. So God, we stand today asking that you would start the revival in our seats so we can see it in our nation 
in our world, God, you've called this church to win the world by equipping Christ followers to win our world, starting with 1% of Tennessee. Please, Heavenly Father, move in a radical way. In your name we pray. Amen. Okay, have a seat. High five somebody. Tell them you're ready. High five somebody. Tell them you are ready. There's a buzz in the air. Welcome to all of our campuses online. God behind bars, if you're watching later, we are thrilled. Hey, just again, next weekend is Easter. Is anybody excited about Easter? Come on, come on. I hope you're excited. The day that we celebrate Jesus kicking death's butt, coming back to life, amen. Come on, so I'm so excited. Invite people. Every campus, do not let one invite card be left. A, a few weeks ago, after our prayer service, we actually sent families out, which again, I would encourage you not to miss those prayer services, but there's just some video of, of families going and, and them inviting, uh, putting door, not ding-dong ditching, but like putting door hangers on, inviting people, leaving their numbers, inviting their neighborhood to come and be a part of the life change. We say this stuff, we worship God's name, but are we willing to put our, whether it's our reputation or our comfortability or our, whatever it might be, our commitment, on the line. I'm so proud of watching these kids and these parents and these singles and these students go out and say, listen, you got to see what God is doing. Now, I received a fresh revelation uh, for, for our church while in the UK training those churches, but I just want to prepare ourselves before that. Um, and so you ever like have some time with some friends and you've got about 10 hours worth of stuff to talk about, but you have just a little bit of time I feel like I'm in that moment right now, okay? And so if you guys could just listen fast, we'll be okay. No, I'm just joking. But I really do pray that God moves on us. Have you ever noticed in Scripture, uh, and maybe you've been a Christian for a long time or maybe you're new to it, but have you ever noticed or did you know that having a relationship with Jesus is more than just praying a prayer or, or saying, I'll follow you, or, or just maybe the sinner's prayer you prayed with us before, there's more to it. There are actions that are expected of you as a son or a daughter of God. There's actually a great example in Luke chapter 9, in a couple verses, verses 57 through 62, which we're going to read through. But here's what's important about these verses, is in these verses, three men come up to Jesus and tell Jesus they want to follow him. But Jesus talks to them about the cost, what is the cost of following Jesus. So let's just walk through these really quick. The first man came up, comes up to Jesus and says, this is in 50, verse 57, and it says, As they were going along the road, a man said to Jesus, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus replied, odd reply, foxes have dens but, and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. That's an odd response. But here's what Jesus is, Jesus is articulating. Jesus teaches us that when you follow Jesus, your outlook on comfort changes. I was praying for you last night, and God told me this way. It will cost you your comfort. When you started following Jesus, did it cost you your comfort? Did your outlook on comfort change? Let me ask you this way. Who set your comfort? The Word of God or the world? Who or what pushes you to get to be uncomfortable? When things get tough, foxes retreat to their den. When things get spiritually uncomfortable for you, what do you do? 
Do you hide from the pressure in your home, ghosting your friends and families and neighbors and coworkers and teammates and classmates? Do you hide from God and from them? Or, and this is challenging, do you find comfort in honoring God by bringing people closer to God, by winning your world? When things get tough, birds fly high above it all. They stay in their nest in, in this safe place. But what about us? Do we surround ourselves with people who think like you, act like us, talk like us, vote like us, post like us, and ghosting everybody else that's below or beneath how we choose to live our life? People who are desperate for the hope that's at work in us. That's challenging. It's going to get worse. That's just the first of the three. Jesus talks to the next guy, and Jesus says this about following him. Let's, let's look at the next guy in, in Luke chapter 9. Here's, here's the next one in verse 59 says this. Jesus said to another man, follow me. But the man replied, Lord, let me first go bury my father. Jesus said, let the buried bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Wow, Jesus teaches that whenever you follow Jesus, it will cost you your cause. Your cause will change. No matter what, even the death of a loved one takes a back seat. This is Jesus' perspective. Takes a back seat to building the kingdom of God, to proclaiming it. Or as we say, again, our vision as a church that we want to win the world by equipping Christ followers to win their world, starting with 1% of Tennessee. But just like we asked about our comfort, who sets our cause? Because we all have a cause, right? We all have something that we're living for. Is it set by the word of God or is it set by the world? Part of my concern is it's, it's actually just set by the latest and the loudest, Whatever the headline is or whatever people are talking about or whatever people are posting about. But if we follow God, God and his kingdom, they are our cause. Winning the world from a life separated from God and introducing them through the grace of Jesus. Now, I know this is challenging to give up our comfort and our cause, but that's what Jesus tells us it'll cost us to follow him. He talks to that third guy, and it says, still another guy said, I will follow you, Lord. But first, let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Listen, and Jesus replied, no one who puts their hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. This is challenging. My goodness, Jesus means business when it comes to following God also tell you this, and we don't have time to talk about it a bunch today, but I'm so grateful that Jesus lived with integrity. All these things that Jesus said, he lived for us to see in the four gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Jesus teaches us that whenever you follow Jesus, your commitments change, that it will cost you your commitment. What are we most committed to? Let me ask it this way. What do we refuse to quit on is building God's kingdom, winning your world at the top of your commitment list. 
Jesus reframes our comfort, our cause, and our commitment. He lets these three guys know, hey, it is going to cost you your comfort, your cause, and your commitment to follow me. Now, I would say a lot of us would say, well, dang, I, I need to repent now. I need to change some things now. And, hey, we're going to walk through that together at the end of our service. But, but first, let's talk about the why. Why, if we're not serving God first and foremost with our comfort, with our cause, with our commitment, <clears throat> let's talk about the why. Paul, who was one of the first followers of Christ, who was a church planter, who, 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 who was doing these amazing things, who was winning his world, he had surrendered his comfort, his cause, and his commitments to Christ. And he puts his why this way in, in Romans chapter 10. Now, you may have heard part of this, but let me explain it. The, the first part in, in verse 13, it says, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Now, that may sound like old news to you. It was not old news to them, right? This was new news. For them, it was just these certain group of religious people who got to know what salvation could or would be. But Paul is exuberant saying, hey, no matter where you've been, no matter what's been done to you, no matter how you feel about yourself, no matter who your parents were, no matter if you've been abused, no matter if you're broken, no matter if you're a sinner, no matter what happened, no matter what you know or no matter what you don't know, no matter what, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Maybe you I mean, it's amazing. Paul is blown away by this because Paul was a murderer and Jesus saved him and loved him and called him. So I, I, some of us have only heard that line read in church like this. All who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. It sounds pretty lame that way. I don't think that's how Paul said it because listen to what he says after that. He says, but because, I mean, you get that passion, you get that like, that fire, that all who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. Well, listen to what Paul says after. And I pray if you're a Christ follower, you take it personally. He says, how then can they call on one who they've not believed in? How can they believe in one whom they have not heard? How can they hear without someone preaching, someone proclaiming, someone living out the gospel to them? Paul was so radically changed by the love and the grace of God that he could not live knowing that there were people out there who didn't know Jesus, who didn't know about this grace and this love that Jesus died to give them. He couldn't even wrap his head around it, but what about us? Were our lives not transformed upon salvation? Why do we hold back our comfort, our cause, and our commitment. Jesus, you can have like an hour or so a week if it fits in with the other things I have to do that weekend. But my cause, my comfort, and my commitment, I gotta hold back here. And you may think, well, well maybe that was just Paul. Maybe just Paul thought that way because he was a crazy, radical missionary and he was a church planter and all those things. Well, let's go back to Jesus. You remember when I was telling you that Jesus was talking to those three guys in Luke chapter 9, at the end of Luke chapter 9? Well, the reason he was doing that, because in Luke chapter 10, he sends out 72 people into the mission field. Like what we want to do for you every Sunday as we send you out to do the ministry Monday through Saturday. So before he sent them out, he was helping them understand the cost. And you can see this. In Matthew chapter 10 and in Luke chapter 10. 
But what I want to do, and I love, love, love these passages, but what I'd like to do is I would like to show you when Jesus sends these people out, he speaks to their comfort, their cause, and to their commitment as he's sending them, and you are being sent today. So I, I pray that in Luke chapter 10, that as we are being sent, that we will take this up and our, our comfort, our cause, and our commitment will be impacted. So in Luke chapter 10, when he sends these people, first when it comes to their comfort, he says this in, in Luke 10, 3. He says, I am sending you out like lambs among wolves. Right, Zach, you said comfort. That doesn't sound comforting. That doesn't sound nice. That doesn't sound pleasant. Listen, listen. If you are being sent, there will be wolves. If you're trying to build the kingdom, there will be wolves. Guys, they killed Jesus. The one that we worship, the one that we'll celebrate next weekend, died and rose from the grave. Why in the world, if they brutally, brutally, brutally murdered our Savior, why are you going to get pats on the head? Because we live in America? Listen, that, that's, that doesn't give us... They killed him. Listen, if you're not getting any push back, then you're probably not pushing forward. Does that make sense? And let's just talk about it for a minute. Listen, listen, you may not want to, you may not want to feel like a sheep. You may not want to feel unsafe. Well, that means that there's part of you that doesn't want to depend on the shepherd. The reason it's okay that we're sheep is because we have a shepherd. In the Old Testament, Jeremiah, who was sent out like we were, he said that God was with him like a dread champion. Some of us have taken our protection and our comfort out of God's hands, and no longer are you a sheep. Now you've become a wolf. And I don't know about you, if you feel like you have to defend yourself on social media, you have to gossip, and if you're going to work and you're gossiping, Instead of gospeling, I don't know if it's a word, it is right now, just go with it. <laughs> but if that's what you're doing, I'm not positive that when Jesus said there are wolves, that you're not one of them. Listen, how Jesus told us to live is that we are to go out in love and gentleness, ready to be sacrificed like Jesus was. Jesus says that he was the lamb to be slain, and we have to be willing to do that for others. Listen, I'm fine to walk out as a lamb among wolves when I know the shepherd's with me. I'm fine to walk out as a lamb among wolves when I know the dread champion is with me. I feel even better about walking out as a lamb among wolves when I know the lion of Judah, which is what God has called the Old Testament, is with me. Listen, Jesus tells us to give up our comfort so that he can guide us to people who need the gospel. When it comes, so that's, that's our comfort, Luke 10. When it comes to our cause, it says in Luke 10 too, it says that he told them the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into the harvest field. This is our cause. Our cause is souls. I want you to process what is your cause? What are you surrendering your life to? Because listen, eternity will last a lot longer than the 80 years we have here. 
Jesus said the harvest is plentiful. That means there are people who will give their life to Christ if there were just workers who would ask. If there were just workers who would seek. If there were just workers who would not be distracted and look for people who are desperate for the love, hope, joy, and peace that only Jesus can provide. Listen, if you're a believer and you find yourself complaining about the state of the world, all the division and all the hate and all the crime and all the this and all the that, I just want you to know as far as God's word is concerned, you are the solution. You're not the one to post about it. You're the one to protect the people who need it. You're the one that is sent. Listen, listen, our cause is to go out and lead people to Jesus. And not just that, but it's our privilege, it's our honor to build other people up and send them to our cause is to build the kingdom of God by plundering hell and populating heaven Monday through Saturday. That's why as a church, we exist to win the world by equipping Christ followers to win our world, starting with 1% of Tennessee. Now, what about our commitment, our comfort, our cause, now our commitment? In Luke 10, 9 through 11, it says this. It says, heal the sick who are there, the kingdom of God, and, and tell them, this is the only quote he gave them, the kingdom of God has come near to you, but when you enter a town and are not welcome, go into its streets and say, listen, if you're not welcome, even the dust of your town, we will wipe from our feet as warning to you, yet... Be sure of this, quote it again, the kingdom of heaven has come near to you. Did he say to argue with them about their beliefs? Did he say to cast personal attacks upon them? No, he said, hey, I know that you don't like me. Hey, I know that you don't believe in me. I know that you said that this doesn't make any sense to you. And listen, listen, I'm gonna leave. But can I just say one thing? Can I just get the last word in? The kingdom of heaven has come near. And he wants you to be a part of it. And hey, whenever you need me, I'll be right here. Whenever it doesn't work out, and it won't, I'll be right here. I love you so much. I love you, I love you, I love you. But this is not how we're living. Do you know that 47% of Christ followers today believe it's wrong to share their faith? Wrong. Because if you were to share your faith, you would be saying, if you don't accept Jesus, you're going to go to hell. And that's not okay with our world. But it is true by the word. Listen, I'm, I just, I'm, I'm just going to jump ahead in my notes. This matters to Jesus. The last thing he said before he ascended to heaven in Acts 1.8, and this is the revelation I got for us while I was just begging God to move and praying for us as we want to plant churches and we want to reach, just start with reaching 1% of Tennessee, which is 70,000 people now. In Acts 1.8, Jesus tells us that you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And I would say a lot of us don't feel like we have power. I would say a lot of us feel like we have more fear than we have faith. We, the, the, our walk with God feels more like theory than it does like reality. Can, here's, here's my revelation. Can I share it with you? 
the number one reason you receive the Holy Spirit. He is your advocate. He is the truth. He's all these things. But can I tell you the number one reason you got him? The number one reason the third part of the Godhead lives inside you, the number one reason you got him was to be a witness to the lost world of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The number one, so when you say, gosh, I don't feel like I have any power. Gosh, I don't feel like God's with me. Well, if I gave you a Ferrari and the number one reason I gave it to you was to drive it and you hang your laundry on it and then you blame me because the gift is defective, I'm not going to be as gracious as the Lord. I'm going to take it back. I'm going to take it back. The number one reason, if you want to walk in power, you want to walk in intimacy, then let's share our faith. Let me tell you two things, then we're going to respond. I shared my faith with a, a guy named Muhammad. He was a taxi driver. We had a two-hour drive, and, and uh, I, I just started sharing my faith with him. And we talked for an hour. Dad and another pastor in the back seat, and me and Muhammad were talking very cordial. We're kind. We're going back and forth. We're talking. And, and you know, for every, every question he had about the Quran, well, so let me tell you this. His dad was a Muslim, and his mom was a Christian, so he was kind of stuck in the middle. And so he had questions, and God, he knew so much more about the Quran than about the Bible, like so much more. So when he asked questions about the Quran, I would, I would give him the, the, the best of my knowledge, but then I would teach him about the Bible, and, and we're just talking. And, but he said something, and, and I, just super candid, an hour I worked, an hour while he was talking, I was listening. I'm praying, Holy Spirit, give me a word, Holy Spirit, help me, Holy Spirit, just, just please, please, please. I'm begging for him. And we're talking, at the end of the conversation, he did not give his life to Christ, but he did say something that I hope is etched in your spirit like it is mine, because he, he's torn between Islam and Christianity, so he splits time between the mosque and the church. And he said this, this is an exact quote. He said, the mosque is alive. They teach, they worship, and they talk to my kids. That's why he knew more about the Quran. Then he said this, however, the church is dead. They don't really teach. The worship is lifeless. And no one really talks to us, especially my kids. There are people in your life that feel that way. Yep. Substitute something else for mosque. Social media, job, friends, addiction. I believe we'll be held responsible for that one day if they find more life there than they do where the living life of Jesus is in us. Let me tell you one more thing. We've had a, an elder at our church, uh, Brother Jim. He's been an elder since we started, um, who actually went to be with Jesus this week. He was struggling with uh, some sickness, and, and uh, that's his wife, Marianne. They've served here for 28 years and uh, been unbelievable. And some of you guys, you've never seen them, but they've given for you and they've prayed for you. And, they, and before we, were, we ever had a building, they were sacrificing, and, and they were just desperate to see the kingdom of heaven. Miss Marianne has served in kids for 28 years, and Brother Jim has been an elder. And at our elders' meeting on Wednesday, we were praying and just sharing stories. This is the guy that taught my dad how to fish. This is the guy that was a dad for my dad in places where my dad had no dad. And he was there. And, and I remember I grew up at Brother Jim's house quite a bit. <coughs> and Brother Jim was super sweet. Uh, but every once in a while, me and my brother would act a little crazy. And he'd have to get stern with us. 
but very rarely would he. He was very soft-spoken, very kind. But as we were praying, and as we were praying on Wednesday, I really felt the Holy Spirit prompt me to say, Zach, this would be a moment where Brother Jim would be stern with you. And he would say, Zach, tell people about this place. Zach, and they, they're going to hear, well done, good, faithful servant, Jim and Mary Ann both. But I believe after he walked into heaven and sees, oh, my God, look at the reality. It's so much more than I ever imagined. He would say, tell people about this place. Sacrifice your comfort and your cause and your commitment for this. This is what matters. But will we do it? So here's what we're going to do. We're going to respond, and I pray that you will respond. I'm going to ask you to do two things. First thing I'm going to ask you to do, I think that all of us have somebody in our life that doesn't know Jesus. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Here in a moment, I'm going to pray. We're all going to stand. I'm going to ask you to grab somebody around you, ask them who they're praying for, you tell them who you're praying for, and y'all pray together out loud for that person's salvation. Pray that God would find them this week. Pray that you would have the words to say. This week, how amazing would that be? Easter, what a better time. And the second thing, there's going to be prayer team members at all of, our, all of our campuses, and you may need to come up and have them lay hands on you and pray that you would walk out in the power of the Spirit for the primary re reason you received them, power of the gospel. Will you stand with me? God, we come before you right now, and as we stand, again, we stand in commitment. We stand, uh, God, we're about to share somebody in our life that doesn't know you. God, we're going to come up front and receive prayer that we would walk out in the power of the Holy Spirit. Let us never be the same. Holy Spirit, please, right now, change something deep inside of us. Change us. Make us burdened. Break our hearts. God, we won't have all the answers, but you do. Please, God, prepare fertile soil for a hundredfold harvest, not for faith promise, not for me, not for, for the Christians, but for the people, your sons and daughters that are far from you. God, we love you so much. Let me pray. Amen. In this moment, would you share somebody who doesn't know Jesus? Pray together, and then we would love to pray for you to walk out in the power of the gospel this week.